a day yesterday and uh, uh, Friday night with, with Russ, who's come amongst us and uh, has just been helping us in looking about reaching our town. And I just, Natalie, was Natalie, you don't know how right your word you've just brought is exactly uh, in line with all that Russ brought to us yesterday. And I know he's going to inspire us and encourage us today. Now, when you receive a prophet, we want to receive the prophet's reward amongst us. And uh, I know as, as Russ speaks, have we got the um, headset? Um, oh, you want, you want to do handheld, whichever. Uh, Russell, we just want to uh, honour you before you even speak. I know you've been with us over the last couple of days. And uh, so some, some of this is from yesterday and some is already in your bank account. But we just want to honour you for your tremendous willingness to up sticks in terms of your, all your working life and what you've been doing and take this amazing gospel and how you've demonstrated that, and you live it, and you breathe it, and we just love being around you. And I know we're going to receive so much from you this morning as you speak to us. So we give Russ a massive, warm welcome. Is Sally, is Sally with us? That's yours. That's yours. Super job. Well, the feeling's mutual. Um, I quite like being here. I don't, I don't normally stay around after a Friday, Saturday and preach in, in the church. Um, but I just thought it, this would be great. So it's lovely to meet those of you that weren't here Friday and Saturday. We've had a great time. Um, I'm sure we'll have a good time this morning. Yeah? Good. I'm Russ um, from Essex. Um, I'm married to Jan. We've got five kids. Um, ours are all older now. Um, and I've led a church for 25 years over there in Essex, and then I finished up doing that about two and a half years ago, uh, just because God was calling us to go make disciples of people that were far from God. And what God was specifically calling me to, I don't recommend it for most church leaders, was hand over the leadership of the church and give yourself 100% to this. So that's what we're doing. If you want to hear more about um, our resources and just uh, the trainings, I know there's a, just a sign-up sheet over here behind these two ladies. And there's some books there as well, which are from my boss. Um, and he's written about movements around the world of just where we're seeing hundreds of thousands of disciples and tens of thousands of new churches. You know those stories you hear about and you wonder if they're real? Well, they're real. And he writes about them in, in the book there. And we're beginning to see these things happen in a Western context, which is the first time in history, really. Okay, so that's exciting. But we're going to turn to Mark chapter 4. Okay, so it's on here. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 9, and then 26 to 29. So um, what I'd love you to do is just, um, I have this phrase, go find a fresh face. So if you if you fancy going to find a different person because you don't like the person you're sitting next to. Um, you know, maybe you're with your husband or and he's irritating you today, you know, or something like that. Go find a fresh face or just stay with your partner, whoever you're with. Um, pull, up, pull up the passage and would you just read it back and forth to each other? Yeah, out loud. Um, so everyone needs sight of a Bible. Get in twos. Don't do it in threes and fours. Do it in twos. And just read the passage back and forth to each other out loud. 
Don't take forever over it. Off you go. Enjoy. Okay, has everyone had a read? Isn't the Word of God just great? And Jesus is telling a story there in the first century, um, in his day and his time, and he tells a story of a farmer. I always draw a little farmer here. I don't know if there's any farmers in the room. There you go. A farmer. And, uh, and this story is great because this story would have relevance down through the centuries and through the ages. Like Any one of us can understand this story today. I mean, do we have farmers in the room? Anyone? You, were you a farmer? No, he's not. Don't make it up. <laughs> or who grows stuff in their garden? Yeah, loads of us, don't we? You plant a seed, prepare the soil, plant a seed, watch what happens, hope it grows. New growth, nurture it, look after it, reap a harvest, enjoy. Yeah? It's easy, isn't it? We, we know this. And what Jesus is really trying to say, I think, is this is how the kingdom works. You see, if you have an empty field here, a place where nothing's growing, and you want to see that field filled with new growth, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to work. You're going to have to do something, aren't you? Okay, so who wants to see the kingdom come to Weymouth? Yeah? Who wants to see the streets and houses filled with groups of new disciples everywhere? Like, I'm not talking a couple of hundred, because even a couple of hundred extra, I mean, you've, it's great you've got a building, and I'd go with that man's encouragement and prophecy earlier every day of the week, but your building's already not big enough. Yeah? Okay, but we're not talking about a couple of hundred. We're talking about things like you read in the New Testament where the word of the Lord filled the city and the number of disciples increased greatly. That's what we're looking for, aren't we? Now, if you want to see that in Weymouth, you're going to have to do something. Okay? Because at the moment, we could say it's a pretty empty field, isn't it? And not a lot of great new stuff growing. I know we see little glimpses here and there, but we're not seeing the fruitfulness that we're looking for, are we? Okay, so we're going to have to do something. So this farmer enters his empty field. He's got like an entry strategy. And uh, we've, we've done some of this training over the weekend, so some of the guys are going to get a hint of what I'm talking about. But every one of us needs an entry strategy into the world to engage new places where the kingdom isn't growing, maybe an estate in town or a neighborhood or a street or a family or a, a particular uh, people group within the town, and we want to engage people, okay? So we need an entry strategy. So here's what I've learned, okay? Do you know 
that if you walk up to somebody in Weymouth today and offer to pray for them, do you know what they're going to say? What do you think they're going to say? Yeah, offer to pray for them. What are they going to say? They're going to say, fine, aren't they? Yeah. Six out of every ten people. Do you know that? Across Britain today, London, the cities, little towns, posh housing estates, run-down, crap, old council estates where people are on benefits, black people, white people, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, Sikhs, atheists, secularists, humanists. Do you know what they say when you just say, oh, hi, great to meet you today. Um, we're just caring for people on our estate. Could we pray for you? Do you know what they say? They say yes all the time, every day, all day long. Yes, yes, yes. We walk around, pray for like way loads of people. Do you think you could do that? Yeah? Think you could do that? Okay. You see, because 97% of your community are far from God. Like, honestly, guys, it's serious. This is serious. There's, there's only a couple of thousand people in church today on Sunday in this town. Like, it's not, it's not a booming business, okay? There's a lot of people in your town who are far from God, 97%. And you know a load of those people. So nine out of every ten of your friends, yeah, they're far from God. Okay? So let's just stand up if you can. If you can't stand up, if you're not physically capable, that's fine. Don't worry. And all I want you to do is I just want you to wander across the room somewhere or turn around and uh, just say, oh, hi, great to meet you today. I'm Russell, and uh, I'm just caring for people today, and I'm offering to pray for them. Can I pray for you? Okay, so just off you go. And you can pray real prayers for each other. Off you go. Don't take forever finding a person. Everybody find someone. Drag it out, guys. Don't we having too much fun? <laughs> so, now you can... A lot of the stories I share about how I engage strangers and people on estates and in towns and on streets, um, but we also do this consistently with our friends and our family and our neighbours and the people we know around town. So if I walk down to the cafe in the park where I live, um, there's a little cafe there and I know the guys that run it and I say hello and someone's sitting at a coffee table and I just sit down and we'll have a little chat. Just say, oh, it's great to see you today. I'd love to pray for you. Is that all right? And they say yes all the time. So I was walking through my state six weeks ago and um, saw this guy walking towards me, a, bit young, a little bit younger than me. He's about 40. Never met him before. But we just caught each other's eye and we just, we just said hello. And he was polite and friendly and he stopped and, we just said, oh, hi, great to meet you today. How are you doing? I'm Russell. He said, oh, hi, I'm Sammy. I said, um, you know, I was thinking, I, I just thought I might pray for everyone I meet today. Could I pray for you? He said, yeah, of course you could. But he said, not now. I'm off to get the kids from school. He said, I have to go. 
But he said, I live in that house there. Can you come back tomorrow and visit me? I'm like, yeah, cool. So that was it. So I went back 10 o'clock the next morning. Hi, Sammy. Great to meet you. Sammy says, can we go for coffee? Like, yeah, of course we can. So we go for coffee and he tells me his story. So he's lived in our town for like two or three weeks. He's from Libya with his family, his wife and two young kids. His wife's heavily pregnant, just about, literally just about to give birth. And they've escaped. They're, they're refugees. They're asylum seekers. So they've escaped a real bad situation in Libya. And he's lived in our town for like three weeks. And he looks at me. He says, do you know, Russ? He says, you're the first person who spoke to me in this town. Like apart from a professional, the school teachers, the social worker, the health visitor, you know, that sort of thing. So you're the first local person to talk to me. He said, I'm so pleased you stopped and just said hello to me. And we prayed together, prayed for him. And he's a Muslim. And he's from a little tribe called the Berber people in North Africa, in Libya. And he's a Muslim. And do you know the people he's from? They're officially an unreached people group. They've never heard the gospel. And there he is walking through my state, and all I did was say hello and offer to pray. Now I meet Sammy every week and we talk about Jesus. We drink coffee, we exchange greetings, we tell each other about our families, but we talk about Jesus every week we meet. It's just wonderful. He hasn't turned and believed on Jesus. He's a very devout Muslim. But we're having a wonderful time just talking about the key. It's great. Okay. Now you could do that with your friends and family and with people you meet. Who's ready to do that? Yeah? You want to go do that? So should we set a goal? Who's going to do that this week? I am. Okay. Someone this week. Just think of someone. Who, who's the first person I could go pray for? Yeah? Like I need, yeah, I need to go home. Because I know my mum wasn't well last week, so I'm going to phone my mum. I've never done it before, but I'm going to offer to pray for her. Boom, off you go. You're up and running, guys. And this is how we enter empty fields where nothing of the gospel is growing. So this is our entry strategy. And then we have a gospel strategy. So we just have then a question that we ask. You see, because what this farmer did was he went into this empty field and he sowed seed, didn't he? You see that in the story? And where did he sow seed? Everywhere. Now, I've heard preachers say he wasn't a very good farmer because he sowed seed on the pathway, and it was snatched away. He sowed seed on the rocky ground and the weedy soil and the good soil. And he really, he should have, he should have looked for just the good soil. That's not what Jesus is saying. Let me promise you that. This farmer was a good farmer, and he knew that the more you sow, the more you reap. Okay, so if you put one seed in the ground, what are you going to get? One bit of fruit. If you put a thousand seeds in that ground, boom. I'm going to get way more than you every day of the week. This is how the kingdom works. More seed, more fruit every time, okay? So we say, 
so generously. Seed. And God's given you seed. And it's called the gospel. And if you want to see your town transformed, you're going to have to sow the gospel into people's hearts. Just drop seeds. And guys, there's a lot of people in Weymouth who are far from God. So you're going to have to go mad and do it everywhere with everyone you meet. You see, the point was not pick out the little bit of good soil, wait for that magic moment, that great God opportunity, and boom. No, it was so everywhere. So everywhere and watch what God does. Okay? Now, here's what we're learning. Everywhere in Britain. So, white working class Essex, nice conservative Weymouth, um, rough estates in London, posh houses in Leicester. Doesn't matter where you go, okay? About 60% of people that you pray for, 60% of them will say yes when you ask the next question. Do you know what the next question is? Do you? Would you like to hear how I came to God? Yeah, you could ask that. It's a great question, Bob. And all you got to do is offer prayer and then ask the next question. The next question is something like, could I, could I show you how I came near to God? And we just then share the gospel with them. Because most people you ask that question to, they're ready to say yes. Of course you can share. Of course you can share. I know you. You're a good guy. I like you. They're your friend. So they trust you. But also they've, you know, they're just they're blown away when someone offers to pray for them. We we offer prayer to complete strangers and they a man. The other day we went to this house and there's a guy sitting outside the front door smoking a cigarette and having a rest in the garden. We just knocked on his gate and said hello. And uh, he invites us in and we just have this lovely chat and we offer to pray for him and we pray for him. Then we share the gospel with him. He's a Muslim. And he tells, and as we share the gospel, he tells us that his life is broken. And he starts to weep. A 40-year-old man with two guys. I mean, guys don't do this sort of stuff, do they? Like, typically. We were complete strangers. He'd never met us in his life. And he said, you know what? He said, it's ju- it just feels so lovely talking to you guys. We were praying for him and sharing the gospel with him. And he was blown away. A Muslim. Okay? You could do this. You could do this, couldn't you? Yeah? Okay. So who's got a way of sharing the gospel? Anyone in the room? Yeah? Who's got it? Yeah? Okay. If you know how to share the gospel simply and succinctly, maybe using a piece of paper and a nice picture. <laughs> that you can point people to, yeah? Okay, who are those people in the room? Just raise your hands. Just look around, everyone. These people know how to share the gospel. Get them to show you 
and teach you so that you can go home today and start sharing the gospel with other people. Do you know what? Something is going to change in the lives of people around you every day of the week. I was out with my friend on Thursday. And like I said, we do a lot of this just out on estates. And, and we were going through this estate house to house. We do door knocking. Like, but that doesn't work in Britain, does it? That's what I thought. I was with a lady and she said, Russ, let's go and knock on some doors. And I said, well, hang on a minute. I'm not doing that. Why not? It's great. I said, no, it's not great. That's a terrible idea here in Britain. And I'm not doing it. She said, oh, she was Australian. She said, oh, it'll be all right. And we went and did one. And honestly, I was blown away by what happened. So anyway, we're heading through this little estate in Tilbury in Essex on Thursday. And, uh, we get to this uh, little block of eight flats. It's four along the bottom and four along the top. And has anyone ever been to Butlins or somewhere like that? Well, it looked like those little holiday flats with the stairs outside and the balcony, you know? And it, and chalets, yeah. And, and this is Tilbury, and this is council housing accommodation, and they're like chalets from a holiday camp. It's a terrible idea. And... Um, it's a gated community. So we went to the gate and thought, oh, well, Lord, we, we can't just go in. And we've, we've concluded you never get through the intercom system. So we just stood there, Paul and I. And this girl comes out on the balcony and shouts down, hello, what do you want? So we've learned that you engage everybody. So shouting across the courtyard to the balcony, we say, hi, I'm Russ. This is Paul. We're out caring for our community. Can we pray for you? <laughs> she says, hmm, no one's ever offered to pray for me before. No, no, you can't. Okay, that's fine. Can we tell you how we came near to God? I had no idea how we were going to do the three circles from the balcony <laughs> up there. But I was all, uh, we just always asked the next question. And uh, she said, hmm, no, no, you can't tell me. Okay, that's fine. So we're then just about to walk away, and she says, but why don't you try everybody else in the flats? All right, okay. So we said, well, the gate's locked. She said, oh, no, the lock doesn't work. She said, just push it. So in we went. <laughs> um, and, what, you know, we just felt that was the Holy Spirit at work, really. And we went in, and we knocked on the four flats on the ground floor. We spent the next hour and a half there sharing the gospel with nine people. Nine people. They had a little courtyard with a bench and they, they had a paddling pool for the kids there. And we just spent the next hour and a half engaging nine people. One of them was a guy who was older than me. Everybody else was under 30. It was a little bit of a drug den, okay? But it wasn't rough or bad. They were just enjoying marijuana, and they were quite happy, actually. Um, <laughs> they, kept, they kept trying to convince us that we should take marijuana because although we were happy, we would still enjoy it. You know, it would be great. We didn't. And, um, and so the drug dealer turned up on a scooter, comes in, 
my mate's sharing the gospel with this guy on the door. So I go straight over to this guy and just shake his hand. Say, hi, I'm Russ. We're caring for the community. Can I, can I, uh, can I pray for you? And he says, oh, hi, I'm Laddie. Yeah, you can pray for me. He said, that would be lovely. So I pray for him, pray for his brother whose girlfriend's having a baby. And then I share the gospel with him. And he says, oh, he says, I know all about that. He says, uh, I went to chapel every week in prison. So we talk about that. And he says, he's 25. I said, how much time you spent in prison? He said, I've been in prison since I was 16. He said, I've spent eight months out of prison since I was 16. And there he is. He's on a tag as well. And I'm sharing the gospel with him. And he's interested enough to say, will you come back and talk to us some more? And we're like, yeah, too, too blooming right we will. Every day of the week. We shared the gospel with nine people. And we, like we do this a lot, and we're blown away by what God does every time. Now, no one turned and believed on Jesus. There wasn't a revival. But we're head, the, guy, the team are heading back there this afternoon at 2 o'clock. Okay, and they're just going to walk into that courtyard, and they're just going to carry on sharing, 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 praying, praying, praying for everyone they meet. Okay? So you want to do that? And then here's what we do. The farmer, he went home and he went to bed. And what it says is the seed grew. But he didn't know how. All he knows is that something happens in the soil and God causes seed to grow. See, people say to me, Russ, how do you get people to believe on Jesus? Okay? Pressure's off, guys. Do you know what? You will not convince anybody to believe on Jesus, and it's not your job. You don't have to. See, what we say is all we have to do is play our part. Do the bits that you can control and leave and trust to God the things that he controls. So which are the bits that we do? We enter the field. We engage people in new places that are far from God. We offer to pray for them, and we share the gospel generously. And we keep going, just keep sharing the gospel. And then we pray and just watch what grows. We can't make it grow. We could go back to that little courtyard where those nine people were, that little drug den in Tilbury this afternoon. And do you know what? They could tell us to naff off and nothing may have happened. Okay? It doesn't matter. That's not our deal. We obey Jesus. We go. We sow seed. We follow the master. We do what he's asked us to do. And then we trust to the Lord the work of growing up new disciples. Okay? And this is discipleship. And so the farmer nurtures this new seed. Okay. Now we find that about 6% of people are ready to turn and believe on Jesus. Now some of them turn and believe immediately, straight away. We were out in this same town, Tilbury actually, a couple of months ago. We met this young couple, 25 years old, two kids. She met them, shared the gospel with them, 
said, are you ready to turn and believe on Jesus? And they said, yeah, we think we are. I'm like, wow. So can we meet you and teach you then what that means? Yes. When would you like to meet? Can you come back in two hours? We're just going to do the shopping. We're going to be back home in two hours at two o'clock. Can you come back to our house this afternoon? We went back to their house. We taught them the command of Jesus to repent and believe. They knelt in their front row. They joined hands together. They joined hands with us. They turned their lives over to Jesus. Boom. Within, within three hours of us meeting them on the street. Okay? We still meet with that family every week in their heart. and We're teaching them. We're discipling them. And they're just, just sort of struggling but beginning got pretty broken lives, but they're beginning to share the gospel with other people and they're beginning to grow through the word of God and the spirit at work in their lives. So you're going to see stuff happen immediately. But what we're also learning is that as you persevere and keep going and keep sowing seed, you also find that after a while, people turn and believe. So 18 months ago, we met Jasmine in town. Jasmine's a Chinese lady. My daughter and I prayed for her and shared the gospel with her. And uh, it was one of those situations where Jasmine's English is not very good. And I think basically we gave up sharing the gospel with her that day because we had no clue that she was understanding a word of what we were saying and we were understanding very little of what she was saying. So we just sort of walked away and we looked at each other as if saying, oh, that was a waste of time, wasn't it? Like you do. You know, you ever been in that? I was pointless sharing with them, praying for them, having a go, you know. Anyway, a few weeks later, we meet Jasmine again in the town. She says hello, and we offer prayer, and we share the gospel again. And we have no clue if she understands what we're talking about. And then a few weeks later, we meet Jasmine again, and guess what we do? We do the same thing every time, okay? So three times. And then one day, just by chance, I don't know how it happened, we're sitting in our church, the church we still attend, which was the church I led. We don't go there every week. We're certainly there every month. And we're sitting where you are. And we look across and there's Jasmine sitting in our church. So we sidle up to Jasmine and sit with her. And at the end of the meeting, we say, oh, how are you? Can we pray for you? We share the gospel with her again. A few weeks later, she's there again. And we get to communion where we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And she tugs on Janet and says, Janet, I don't understand. What's this? I don't understand. So Janet says, well, you don't understand the gospel. So you can't understand communion. There's no point in just teaching people Christianity and Christian things. They need to know Jesus, need to know the Savior to benefit from the Lord's Supper. Yeah? It's not for people that aren't disciples yet. So Janet says, Janet's brilliant. Jasmine, would you like to meet for coffee this week? Yes. Jasmine wants to meet in the cafe. So we meet Jasmine at the cafe. and We pray for her and share the gospel with her. And then we meet the next week and we pray for her and share the gospel with her. And then Janet takes it on. And Janet meets with her every week. And she's met with her every week all over the summer. And then about six weeks ago, she comes home. She says, guess what? How was it? Jasmine was turned and believed on Jesus. Like, are you sure? She's like, she's got it. Like a switch has gone on. Yeah? That's taken us a year 
18 months. And every time we saw her, we just did the same thing. And we would have given up if we hadn't kept bumping into her all over the town. In fact, even in church, we would have given up until the point Janet said, let's go for coffee. Let's see you every week. And sometimes it's going to take time, guys, but we just persevere. And we do what we can do, and God does what only he can do. And then what happens is, as these disciples grow up and begin to become mature, the, the farmer, well, he reaps the harvest, doesn't he? And he bundles that harvest together and gathers it in. And what we do is we gather these new disciples and begin to teach them then what's it going to look like to be with other disciples. Church. Gather together as church. So we begin to teach them how to follow Jesus and do that. But what the farmer's looking for is fruitfulness. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. See, and every good farmer knows this. He's going to live off of that harvest, isn't he? He's going to have a celebration. They're going to have food for the winter. They're going to live. They've got stuff to trade with and sell and da-da-da-da-da. And he's, he's made his money for the year. But what he also knows is he's got to repeat the process next year, hasn't he? Because if you don't repeat the process, guess what? He's not eating next year. Okay? He's got nothing coming in. So every good farmer knows that what you do is you take the seed and you sow it into the next season. And so we raise up leaders or people, just ordinary disciples, who know how to carry on the process. See, the way your church will continue to impact Weymouth is by continuing to do the work. Guess what? Gathering together here as church is not the pinnacle. It's not the end game. This is not the climax of everything God wants to do with you. This is gathering the harvest together so that we can, yes, celebrate and enjoy together, but so that we can raise people up to send them into empty fields so they can sow seed, so they can raise new disciples, so they can gather new churches, so they can raise up leaders who go and do the same. And guess what? All of a sudden, every field is starting to produce harvest and fruit and fruitfulness. Does that make sense? You fancy going to do this? Fancy giving it a go? Okay. Here's what God's looking for. There are four soil types here in the passage. There's the pathway, which is hard. The Bible says that because it's hard, the seed doesn't go in and the enemy snatches it away. You know, sometimes our hearts are hard. Still, my heart is sometimes hard to what God wants to do. And so what God wants to do is snatched away and it never happens. It never becomes a reality. Sometimes our hearts have still got big stones in and the soil is shallow. So the seed grows up 
But very quickly, when pressure comes and stress comes, guess what? The sea, it dies very quickly. See, some of us still have big things in our lives. And we've not allowed them to be removed and dealt with yet. Yeah? And so nothing really grows strong in us. And sometimes we're like weedy soil. The plant grows up, but quickly it's strangled by weeds. And it says there in the passage that the weeds are the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. So many of us are distracted from the work of the kingdom by the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. It strangles the life out of us. We get stressed. We get distracted away from the main task. And sometimes we as churches get distracted away from the main task. The main task is to take the gospel to all people here in Weymouth. But what God's looking for is he's looking for good soil. Soil that will produce a harvest. God's looking for churches that all produce a harvest. And this is a multiplication process. It's not add 30, add 60, add 100. It's 30 times. Can you imagine, what are there, 60 people here in the room? What's 30 times that? 1,800. That's not a bad start, is it, Mick? No. That would be quite good, wouldn't it? And you know what? It's actually possible. All we have to do is our part. Pray and seek the Lord. Go and enter new fields. Share the gospel generously. Nurture what God grows. Gather them together as groups of new disciples or churches or into your church and teach them to go and do the same. Is everyone ready to do that? Okay, so all I want you to do is uh, I want you to set a goal, okay, out of what I've shared this morning. So I just want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to look each other in the eye. I just want you to share a goal. And the goal could be, I'm going to go and pray for my mum this week or a friend, okay? The goal could be, I'm going to go and pray for them and I'm going to try and share the gospel. The goal could be, I'm going to ask this couple here, because they were at the training, they know how to share the gospel. I'm going to see them at the end of the meeting to get trained in sharing the gospel so that I can do it. Okay? So turn to the person next to you, look each other in the eye, set a goal and pray for each other. Don't take too long. Go straight to it. Look each other in the eye, set a goal, pray for each other.